Blog Talk Radio. Paleo Hebrew. 
I'm your brother, your host, your friend, as always, Tazapa, and welcome to another episode of Bible Talk, sponsored by ISBHPK. Y'all, I'm running a little behind this morning, so I'm going to have to take a brief, brief intermission real quick, and I'll be right back, y'all. for that y'all like i said i'm running a little behind schedule this morning <clears throat> excuse me if it's your first time tuning in to the show man welcome welcome we are the hebrew israelites um and we are affiliated with all israelites man shouts out to the 12 tribes that are scattered worldwide man throughout the globe uh shouts out to our brothers here in san antonio our brothers in va our brothers down in H-Town, our brothers in Albuquerque, New Mexico, our brothers in uh, Rochester, New York, also our brothers in uh, Canada, California, and shout out to Cow Cobb down in Guatemala. <clears throat> um, if it's your first time tuning in, I do shows on um, Blog Talk Radio, Bible Talk, um, on Tuesdays and on Thursdays, y'all. So on Tuesdays, Tuzzapod Tuesdays, I usually do about an hour of news, followed by um, the topic, whatever topic I wanted, to, I wanted to get into. And then on Thursdays, so Thursdays um, segment I've entitled "For Your Information," and uh, I've been doing this a couple Thursdays now. Uh, but on Thursday, the format is different. I just go ahead in into a topic and get into a class. So this class that I'm about to, um, I'm not going to say continue, but <laughs> commence to getting into uh, this morning is a topic I started last week entitled History of the Gentiles, Part 2. Well, part 1 was last week, so this is Part 2. 
And what I'm attempting to do, y'all, is to educate and to edify those difficult passages that are in the New Testament. And when I say difficult, I'm just referring to the terminology, man, of the word Gentile being used all throughout the New Testament. And what a lot of people fail to understand is that those Gentiles in the New Testament ain't what you think, y'all. It ain't what you think. I'm not going to give it away right now because I'm definitely going to dive into that to explain exactly what I'm saying. But what I'm doing here in last week's class and this, this week's class is to give the history of who the Gentiles are, who the Gentiles were as it pertains to the Old Testament and then leading up to the New Testament, man. And the reason I'm doing this class, man, is because a lot of people, man, especially our people, uh, Israelites, so-called blacks, Hispanics, Native Americans, uh, here in the Western Hemisphere, they've been heavily induced with religion. And religion has taught us that we the Gentiles and that we're basically second-class citizens and we're not the Israelites, we're not the true people of the book. However, we are, in fact, the people of the book, and this is proved through the Bible and other historical records to substantiate the Bible that we are, in fact, the people of the book. And it just amazes me how our people, man, we're, we're, we've been programmed to live in such a degenerate second-class state that we will even accept being second-class citizens in the kingdom of the Most High, our Father, our Heavenly Father. You know, and instead of being the protagonist of the book, we're voluntarily being the antagonist of the book, man, of the narrative of the Bible. And that's, that's, that's a huge contradiction, y'all. It really is. So that's my aim to prove everything that I'm saying. So we're going to go ahead and dig into it, y'all. Last week, um, hold on, y'all. Let me close the door real quick. So last week, I believe we stopped in Psalm chapter 106, and we read verse 32 through uh, 48. And um, hold on for a second. Text message. Sorry, y'all. Yeah, we read Psalms 106, 32 through 48, and uh, I don't know if we got to these, but we're going to go back over them in case we didn't, because the whole class, y'all, I basically springboarded off of this scripture right here. Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to read verse 20. And I purposely started in the New Testament. And we're, we're definitely going to go back to it. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 20. And it reads, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, y'all. I can't do that. I can't do that. Hold that, y'all. Hold that. I'm tripping. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. We got to start this thing off right. 
Gotta start the day off right, man. How could it start off right without the Lord's Prayer, man? That's what we're trying to do, man, right? Trying to get the king, trying to get the hell up out of here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debt as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen, man. So like I said, man, we're trying to get the hell on. We're trying to get little, trying to get out of this demonic place, man. And this is the prayer we need to be sending up on the daily so we can make those things happen, man. How shot, please come quickly, man. This letter people's uh, stuff is, is out of control. These t- this test tube baby community stuff, out of control, man. I'm telling you. Let's get Psalm chapter 118 and verse 24. And it reads, This is the day which the Lord had made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, the most high brought you to it, it'll bring you through it, and you'll come out better on the other side because of it, y'all. All right, y'all. So let's go ahead and dig into the class now. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 20. And this is Paul speaking, y'all. Beloved Paul, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. So what Paul is saying here is that the Gentiles, they worship and they sacrifice devils. They sacrifice and worship other deities. The word devil, the word devil means deceiver. So these Gentiles, they worship deceivers. Want everybody to understand this. Then he goes on, he says, and not to God. So the Gentiles, they don't sacrifice or they don't worship the most high God. He says, and I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Now, this is Paul speaking, the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, why would Paul say that these Gentiles, he calls them devils, that they worshiping the devils. Why would he say he don't want you to have fellowship with devils? When you running around talking about you a Gentile. We got, see, these are questions that we don't ask ourselves. These are things that we don't go and investigate. Because you'll pull all the, all the other scriptures about the Gentiles and how they're going to make it and Paul being the apostle to the Gentiles. So what about this scripture right here? Why are you running from this one? Please explain this one. You can't. But don't worry. I'm going to do it for you. All right, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 32, y'all. I think I read this too last week. I'm not sure, but you know, read me in. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 17. This is where Paul get it from. They sacrifice unto devils, not to God. So this is the same thing we just read. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20, 
But you find this way back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. In the day, talking about the nations, they sacrifice unto devils, to God, to gods, little g's, whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. And I'm sorry, let me correct myself. He's actually talking to Israelites who were worshiping and serving other deities. And he was saying that their fathers didn't even worship the deities that they're worshiping. But once again, this is still where Paul got it from. Anyway, let's get Psalms chapter 96 and verse 5. Psalm chapter 96 and verse 5, and it reads, For all the gods, little g's, of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So this is David telling us that all the gods of the nations are idols. The nations serve other deities. They serve other gods. They've never been familiar. They've never been introduced <laughs> Personally, to our power, to the Most High, to the Israelite God, they were never introduced to the Israelite God, man. They were they were made known of His presence through our prophets, but they never had that one-on-one relationship with the Most High that the Israelites have with the Most High. I want us to understand this, man. This is very important. All right, now let's get Genesis chapter 43 and verse uh, 32. Genesis chapter 43 and verse 32. Man, I got to read up a little bit. Um The backstory to this, y'all, this is when um, the Israelites came down into Egypt. When I say Israelites, I'm talking about Jacob's 12 sons uh, who formed the name of Israel. So they came down into Egypt uh, because of the famine. And Joseph was already there because, remember, they sold him there in slavery. So this is them encountering their brother, uh, Joseph, and uh, we're going to find out what happened. So we're going to start at verse 29. Uh, and he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother, Benjamin, that he's talking about Joseph, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom ye spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. So what's going on right now is Joseph He's dressed in, in, in Egyptian clothing so his brothers don't recognize him. So he's pretending not to be kin to them because, you know, Joseph was the second in command in Egypt. So he rolled as an Egyptian. He had on the dress as an Egyptian, but he wasn't an Egyptian. He was an Israelite. All right, reading on verse 30. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there, see, because they didn't know it was him, but he was crying. He was, he was full of emotions, 
from seeing his brothers that he had not seen in, in a whole bunch of years. I forgot how long he was there before they got there. Verse 31. And he washed his face and went out and refrained himself and said, set on bread. And they set on, on for him by himself. The they is the Egyptians. So the Egyptians set up, when he says set up bread, he says set up a meal. So they set this meal up for Joseph and his brothers. Now listen to what they did. I'm going to read this part again, verse 32. And they set on for him by himself and for them by themselves. So they set the banquet or the dinner hall up for Joseph and his brothers by themselves. And this is why. Watch this. And for the Egyptians, so then they set a spot up for the Egyptians. Now watch. Which did eat with him by themselves so they had a whole separate table the egyptians didn't sit down and eat with joseph and his brothers we're going to find out why because the egyptians might not eat bread with the hebrews for that is an abomination unto the egyptians y'all see this the egyptians being another nation being the african people they found an abomination for to fellowship with Israelites, with Hebrews. The nations don't like us, y'all. They never have liked us. And the reason they never have liked us is because our God is not their God or gods. We worship the Most High. They worship those other low, lower-level deities. All people are not created equal, contrary to what you've been indoctrinated with with the Constitution. It don't even apply to you. Because that's a big part of the problem, man. Y'all don't understand that white supremacy is the Constitution, and white supremacy is also religion, and they're entwined. They're intertwined. They're one and the same. There's no such thing as separation of, separation of church and state. They're one and the same. But y'all been indoctrinated with this, whether consciously or subconsciously. This is why the time you this is why by the time you make it to the New Testament, you think everybody's created equal, man. Stop, y'all. Stop. All right, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter four. Now we're finna get down to the nitty gritty. Deuteronomy chapter four. And we're going to read quite a bit of this, y'all, so let me see. Yeah, we're going to do a lot of reading today, too, y'all. So get your, get your Bibles open. I know a lot, a lot of y'all listening while y'all at work, uh, and that's cool, y'all. Get y'all through the day. But uh, I implore y'all to go back and, and read these for yourself, man. Go back over to class. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1. Now, therefore... Hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them, that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God, I'm sorry, which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. And this is Moses speaking on behalf of the Most High. So he's telling Israel, giving Israel their instructions before they go into the promised land that the Most High promised to our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Read on verse 2. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you. So he's telling them to keep the commandments. Verse 3. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Bel Pior. Now remember, I went over this in last class. The uh, worship of the deity Bel Pior. And basically boils down to him being a fertility god, which all the nations worship. They just called him, or they called him by different names, or they spelt his name different, but still the, the same deity. Well, the Israelites ended up falling in to Baal worship. Actually, you read about it in Numbers, the twenty-second uh, chapter, when they uh, the Moabites had hired uh, Balak. To uh, cast a spell on Israel It don't tell you in the Bible uh, What we did But you check the Josephus And you find out that we did We fell into idolatry Matter of fact I do tell you in that I think it's Numbers The 23rd chapter And it talks about how Israel did Play the whore Matter of fact I read it last week Played the whore with the uh, Moabite women And ended up serving their deities Which was Baal Peor Alright reading on it says, for all the men that followed Belpior, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. So Moses is giving that history, reminding them, hey, man, remember what happened when you, I went off to serve other gods. Verse 4, but ye that did cleave unto the Lord, your God, are alive, every one of you this day. He said, but those that stayed true to the Most High, the one and only God, and kept his commandments, y'all still alive. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land, whether you go to possess it. So this is what Moses is saying. He's like, the Most High gave me the commandments. I taught them to y'all, and y'all are supposed to keep them everywhere y'all go. Now listen to this part right here, y'all. Keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Now, it's very important in verse 6 because he says that the commandments that God gave was going to be the Israelites' wisdom and their understanding in the sight of the nations. So every other nation was going to see that we worship one God, that we believed in monotheism while the rest of them was pagans. And they was going to notice that we had wisdom, we had understanding, and then they was going to say, what? Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Hey, y'all, I'm back. I, I don't know. They kicked me off. Anyway, um, back to what I was saying. So the nations were going to see that we believed in monotheism, and they were pagans, still are, and they were supposed to say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Now, verse 7, for what nation is there so great who had God so near or so nigh unto them 
as the Lord our God is in all things we call upon him for. So the other nation was this, was supposed to see us practicing monotheism, keeping the law, statutes, and commandments of the Most High, and see how our lives benefited from it. And was supposed to say, man, this is a great people. This is a great nation. Unlike them, because they served everything under the heavens. And we're going to get to that. Verse 8, and what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments, so righteous all this law, which I set before you this day? Only take heed to, your, to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thy eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy son and thy son's son, especially the day that thou stood it before the Lord, thy God, in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. Now, this is Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, what he's talking about. I'm sorry, chapter 20, what he's talking about. Verse 11. And ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, which dark with darkness, darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire, yet ye yet heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude. Only ye heard a voice. A similitude is something that's similar to what you uh, see. Or something uh, similar to what's being portrayed. And what, the, what Moses is basically saying is, we didn't see the Israelites didn't see any type of symbol that represented the Most High, because nations they had symbols, whether it be an animal, a rock, uh, uh, the, uh, 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 a sculpture of the moon, a sculpture of stars, a sculpture of, of the sun. They had uh, sim- they had symbolism or um, images to represent their deity, but we're the only nation that never had any type of symbol, symbol, any type of image to represent the Most High. We didn't do that, but the other nations, the Gentiles, they did this. They still do. So read on verse thirteen. And he declared unto you his covenant, his contract, which he commanded you to perform, even ten commandments. And he wrote them upon two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that ye might do them in the land whether ye go over to possess it. Take ye therefore good, I'm sorry, let me read again, verse 15. Take ye therefore good heed. Unto yourselves For ye saw no manner of similitude He's reminding them You didn't see a symbol to represent the Most High On the day that the Lord Spake unto you In Horeb Out of the midst of the fire Lest ye corrupt yourselves And make you A graven image See what I'm saying I ain't making this up y'all Moses is telling us There was no graven image To represent the Most High So you didn't have to make one that's why he says, take heed. He says, lest ye corrupt yourselves 
and make you a graven image, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female. Because, and I ain't got into it, but the other nations, they would have what's known as phallic symbols. And the phallic symbols would represent a man's or a woman's uh, uh, a man or a woman's genital parts. You know, like the big phallic symbol that's in in Washington D.C. That they they I think they call it the Washington Monument. That big thing that shoot all up into the air, got a point on the end of it. That's a phallic symbol. That's a symbol of a Johnson, a rod, y'all. If you didn't know that. That's what that's representing. But this is why Moses is saying this in verse 16. Read it again. Lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female. You know, and it's just like uh, the East Indians got that uh, that statue. I don't know what they call that statue, but it's got a whole bunch. It's, it's like a man, but it's got breasts. And it's got a whole bunch of breasts on it. This is what Moses is talking about. Or the, even the Starbucks lady, who's also known as Diana in the Greek. Uh, she's known as Astarte uh, by the Babylonians, Asherah by the Persians. I mean, it's the same deity. So he told us not to do this. Verse 17. The likeness of any beast that is on the earth the likeness of any winged fowl that fly in the air. So don't make these images of an eagle, right? What's the emblem of America? The eagle. It was the same emblem of the Romans, same emblem of the Greeks. The Spanish also used it. Don't make these symbols. The uh, the griffin, which the uh, the Assyrians used. A griffin is a, a, a lion with wings. They they worship these deities. They had them as their national emblems that represented them. The Most High is telling us not to do this. Verse 18. The likeness of anything that creeping on the ground, the likeness of any fish, fish, that's the worship of Dagon. And we already went over that. When y'all get a chance, man, Go on uh, the internet, uh, YouTube even, and just uh, Google the Pope's hat that he wears. The hat that he wears, that's that's the hat of Dagon. Dagon represents a fish. Now, when you look at his hat, look at it uh, from a vertical, I'm sorry, not a, a horizontal. Yes. Hold on, y'all. I got a question. Let me let me finish my statement first. So I want y'all to look at it from a horizontal perspective. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, horizontal perspective. If you if you lay that hat down horizontally, horizontally it looks like a fish, but they have it sitting up vertically. That's like a fish jumping out of the water. But it's that's that's the image, and that's how you worship uh, Dagon, y'all. That's the fish god. I'm going to read verse 18 again. I'm going to get to your question in a minute, because the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. So the Most High told us not to do this. All right, so I got a question coming in from my cousin Devin. He says, so, cuz, 
would the medical symbol be the same? Now, yes, it would be the same. But let me show you something. And we talked about this uh, last week. Was it last week or this week? No, we actually talked about it this week, uh, Tuesday. Um, so let's get. Hold on, y'all. Let me find it real quick. Just a second. Yeah, we did talk about it Tuesday because we were talking about uh, the famous John 3.16. So let's go to Numbers chapter 21. Number 721, and I got to get the other scripture, too, that go with it. Mm-hmm. It's a good question, too, because. Let me see if it's in Samuel. Hold on, y'all. Bear with me, y'all. Bear with me. So let's read this. We're going to look for the other one. So let's go to Numbers chapter 21, and we're going to start at verse um, sort of verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. So this is when he, he sent the uh, fiery serpents, start, uh, biting the Israelites, verse 7. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent. So this is what Cuz is talking about. And set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, Shall live So Moses made this stick Matter of fact let's read on And Moses made a serpent of brass And put it upon a pole And it came to pass that if a serpent Had bitten any man When he beheld the serpent of the of brass He lived So this is what he's talking about And this 
today and age is known as the medical symbol. So this was uh, some, an image that, that uh, the Most High commissioned Moses to make so that the children of Israel would be saved. But nowhere in it do you read about us worshiping that symbol or that image. And watch this. Hold on. I'm looking for a scripture, y'all. Hold on. Because remember, he didn't say to bow to the image. He said to look at it. But I'm going to prove it to you. Uh, This is it. I'm definitely going to get this. So let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18, y'all. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 4. Matter of fact, let's start at 1 and we're going to jump. 1 Kings, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18 verse 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. Verse 3, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, According to all that David his father did He removed Listen to this The high places And break the images So he came in into power uh, he, Him being king of the southern kingdom And he just removed all these high places And that's where Israel would go To worship other deities and other gods And it tells you that he broke down All the images that Israel was worshiping Now listen to this And cut down the groves and break in pieces the brass, the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nahushtan. <laughs> I know I'm butchering it. Because I, I brought everybody here so you can see how, yes, we did start worshiping this damn serpent. This brass uh, serpent that Moses had made, we started worshiping it so much so that Hezekiah had to come and he had to destroy it and tear it and tear it down. Why? Because the Most High told us not to worship brazen images. And we went over this last week in Exodus chapter twenty. He told us he told us not to worship these images, not to serve them. Wasn't nothing wrong with making them. If you were making them for the purpose not to worship them, but when you was making them for the purpose to worship them, then there was a problem because then you're serving other deities. Con, con, you got it, cuz, cool. I hope everybody understood that. Now, let me mark this, man, because I thought I had it marked in the Bible. But it didn't. No doubt, no doubt. 
Hold on. Got a lot of y'all timing in. She said, it's not a medical alert sworn of a person's medical history to save them in case a person is non-responsive. Good observation, love y'all. I ain't forgot about you. I was finna mention it because you mentioned that the other day. But she pulled out to me and brought to my attention that that same medical symbol, the snake on the stick, is used even to this day and age in the medical industry, and it's it's a symbol of being saved. <laughs> it's a symbol of being saved. Good observation. All right, y'all. Let me. Uh, where was we at? This is a Deuteronomy chapter four, right? I hope that's clear. Hope everybody got that. All right, let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. And what verse is we in? We were in verse 18, I believe. Uh, Yep. And did y'all Google that? If anybody Googled the um, Dagon and the Pope's hat, I don't know. Michelle, can you put – we have a chat. If we got a chat, if y'all can put that in the chat, man, so other people can see it. And put the uh, the medical symbol in the chat, too, man, if we could do that. Uh, verse 18, the likeness of anything that creeping on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth, and lest thou lift up the eyes, Oh, man. Devin said the broadcast keeps going in and out. All right, so Mashaba's putting that stuff in the chat. The water hot. Devin says the broadcast going in and out. Can everybody hear me clearly? If you can hear me clearly, man, uh, just text me and say con. 314-482-9110. All right, thumbs up. Bobby, y'all, you can hear me. Anybody else? Ain't too many people on here anyway. I don't think. I don't see them on switchboard anyway. Um, what was that? So let's go back to verse 19. Because I don't know what's going on, man. Because like I said, I got kicked off earlier. Uh, okay. So he said he's going to call. He's going to get off and then call back in. Are you listening to it on the computer or because I don't see you on the uh, the switchboard. Cool. We good to go. All right. That might be on your end because... Um, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 19. And lest thou lift up thy eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun. Now, remember, this is Moses speaking to the Israelites, still talking about graven images and how we shouldn't worship them. I'm going to read this part again because this is the scripture I want to key in on. Verse 19. And lest thou lift up thy eyes unto heaven. Talking about us, the Israelites, 
And when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the hosts of heaven should be driven to worship them. So he's telling us don't be driven to worship. Worship what? The sun, the moon, the stars, like the other nations do. Now he says to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God had divided. The Most High divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. So you might ask yourself, well, why do the Gentiles, why do the heathens worship other deities? Why do they worship other gods? Because the Most High, according to what we just read in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 19, the Most High gave them the deities to worship. He gave all the gods and goddesses to the nations, to the other nations for them to worship. He divided it unto them, not to us. Now read this part again, Deuteronomy 4.19. And lest thou lift up thy eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the hosts of heaven should be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God had divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. So the Most High gave the deities to the other nations, y'all. Well, listen to this, verse 20. But the Lord had taken you, the Israelites, and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance, as ye are this day. Y'all see, I hope y'all seeing this. Now, this is the fourth definition for the word inheritance. That which is possessed or enjoyed. So the Most High brought us out so he could possess us and enjoy us, but the other nation, nah. He would he was not filling what he feels for us or felt for us with the other nations. They were totally different. They seen a totally different side of the Most High. Now let's get Jeremiah. So we go to Jeremiah chapter ten. I hope y'all getting this and I ain't losing nobody, man. But I'm trying to show y'all how the other nations, the Gentiles, the heathen, they're prone to worship other deities, and that's all they've ever done. That is all they've ever done. We're going to find out, well, how the hell did the whole world start worshiping our God? We're going to definitely get to that. But we have to get this understanding first. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 1. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. So he's speaking to us, the Israelites. Thus said the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. Now, why is the Most High telling us not to learn the way of the heathen? Because remember, one of the definitions for heathen was people that were not acquainted with the God of the Bible. They don't know the God of the Bible. So the Most High is telling us not to learn how they're not acquainted with him because he 
is our inheritance. He's our God, not the whole world's God. Hope everybody's getting this. Read this again, verse 2. We're in Jeremiah 10 and 2. Thus said the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. We just read this in Deuteronomy chapter 4. They are. They worship the sun, the moon, the stars. And, and all the religions do. The Muslims. I'm kind of jumping the gun, but they worship what? The moon. That's why when you look at the symbol for the nation of Islam, what is it? It's a damn half moon or a, a, what they call it, a crescent moon. This got the some a lot of them got the stars on it. Even they flag got the same damn emblem on it. This day and age, look it up. Arabs worship other deities. I said I think I said the nation of Islam, which black folks adopted their paganism and now running around talking about they Muslims. And y'all ain't. That's not y'all deity, it's not y'all God. Read this again. Jeremiah 10 and 2, thus said the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cut of the tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe, they deck it with silver and with gold, they fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. Now this is talking about Christmas, man. This is way back during the time of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was in the Babylonian captivity. So who was doing this? The Babylonians was doing this. But even before they was doing it, you had the uh, ancient Babylonians doing this. Because this is actually the worship of Nimrod. I don't know if y'all knew that. Oh, man. Hold on, y'all. And I said I was going to put this in the class. But sometimes, y'all, I be moving so fast trying to put my thoughts together. I be missing stuff. All right, y'all. So let's go to the, the book, The Two Babylons. I'm just going to prove what I just said. So in this book, they talk about two Babylons. But according to the Bible, there's actually three Babylons. So the first Babylon is ancient Babylon, y'all. And that's under Nimrod. The second Babylon is Neo-Babylon, so New Babylon. And then the third Babylon is Babylon the Great, which is talked about in the book of Revelations. All right, so let's get into... uh, This custom of cutting down the tree. So we're going to go to page 93. And where I want to start at? I guess I started page 92. Indeed, it is admitted 
by the most learned and candid writers of all parties that the day of our Lord's birth cannot be determined and that within the Christian church, no such festival as Christmas was ever heard of till the third century. All right. So I want y'all to understand this. Now, um, when he says that the day of the Lord's birth can't be determined, that's not true. It can be determined. All throughout the scriptures, Christ is born in the springtime, not in the dead of winter. All right, and he says, and that not till the fourth century was uh, far advanced did it gain much observation. So he says that no such festival, uh, such as Christmas, took place in humanity until the uh, third century, so 300, around 300 B.C., uh, let me see what Michelle just sent me. Hold on a second, y'all. Right, and Alexander Hislop. Hey, Mashaba, did you did you want me to read this? Because I'm already reading out of the book. The water for this, all right? But uh, did you want me to read this? Hold on a second, y'all. Okay, gotcha. All right, so it says... Um, Festival as Christmas was ever heard of till the third century, so 300 BC, and that not till the fourth century uh, was for advance did it gain much observation. Um, so I'm sorry, 300 AD and 400 AD. How then did the Roman Romanist uh, Church fix on December the 25th as Christmas Day? Why thus, long before the fourth century? And long before the Christian era itself, a festival was celebrated among the heathen. I'm going to read this again. And long before the Christian era itself, a festival was celebrated among the heathen or Gentiles. Gentile heathen words are synonymous. And remember, these people are the people that were not acquainted with the God of the Bible. It says, at that uh, precise time of year, in honor of the birth of the son of the Babylonian queen of heaven, and it may fairly be presumed that in order to correlate the heathen and to swell the number of the, uh, of the norm- nominal Adherence of Christianity The same festival was Adopted By the Roman church Given in only the name of Christ Hence Christ mass or Christmas But we find out This was the custom of the Babylonians and like I just read In Jeremiah chapter 10 He was in the Babylonian captivity So he was telling the Israelites not To do what the Babylonians was doing Which was what Cutting down the tree 
standing it upright, decorating it with silver and gold, putting presents up under the tree. He told the Israelites not to do that. We're finding out where this custom came from in the two Babylons, reading on. This tendency on the part of Christians to meet paganism halfway was very early developed. And we find Tertullian, even in his day, about the year 230, bitterly lamenting the inconsistency of the disciples of Christ in this respect and contrasting it with the strict fidelity of the pagans to their own superstitions. So what he's basically saying, man, and what this article is saying, the book, the author saying in his book, is that Christianity, religion, infused paganism with the Bible. I hope y'all see this, man. This is why this day and age, people are still celebrating what? Christmas. This is why this day and age, you still got what? Valentine's Day. That's also a pagan celebration. To this day, they have Mother's Day, which actually not even talking about your biological mother. This is a, a tradition that goes back to uh, Europe where people will go visit their mother church. That's why they call it Mother's Day. So the church that you grew up in, that's where, where, that, where that came from. See, a lot of people running around here, man, doing and worshiping other deities, being pagans, and they don't even know it. Then they say, well, I'm Catholic, or a lot of people say, well, I, I like those Catholic people because they, they touch little boys, they do this and this and that. So if, if you're a religion and it's not Catholicism, you're a Protestant because the Protestants were the people that protest the Roman Catholic Church. That's why they got the name Protestant. So you're either a Catholic or you're a Protestant, but they're one and the same because all the ideology from the Protestants came from the Roman Catholic Church, but they will make some exceptions. Still the same, though. It's paganism. Read it on. But us, says he, who are strangers to Sabbaths and new moons. Now, this is Tertullian. This is a historian who claimed himself to be one of the disciples, but he was a pagan. He says, but us, says he, who are strangers to Sabbaths. Do you see this? Strangers to Sabbaths. You read in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, where the Most High told us to keep his Sabbaths. Those were his high holy days, or one of them anyway, the first one. He says that new moons, now we do observe new moons. We do. They're, they're not necessarily, a, a, they're not a Sabbath, but we do observe them. And new moons and festivals, once acceptable to God, the uh, Salonalia, Salonalia, the Feast of January, the Brumalia and Mat. Trinalias, Trinalia, or now frequented. Gifts are carried to and fro. New Year's Day presents, I'm sorry, New Year's Day presents are made with din and sports and banquets are celebrated with uproar. Oh, how much more faithful are the heathen to their religion. 
So this dude saying the heathen are very faithful because they celebrate December 25th every year, New Year's Day, with ball games, revelry, a lot of drinking. They do this faithfully every year. The whole world goes into this frenzy. You hear damn Christmas music from damn no, from I'm gonna say October to like uh, the middle of January. It says, "Who takes special care to adopt no solemnity, solemnity from the Christians? Upright men strove to stem the tide, but in spite of all their efforts, the apostasy went on." Let me see. Till the church, with the exception of a small remnant, was submerged under pagan superstition. He says, except a small remnant. Hell no, the whole church, the whole religious system, or pagans. Christmas was originally a pagan festival, is beyond all doubt. The time of the year and the ceremonies with which it is still celebrated prove its origin. In Egypt, the son of Isis, the Egyptian title for the queen of heaven, was born at this very time. I hope y'all see this. Isis is the same uh, queen of heaven, which is Astarte, which is Asherah, which is Easter, a fertility god. Same goddess, man. Like I've been saying, these other nations, they serve the same deities, but they'll change the name or the spelling up. It's still the same deity, though. This is paganism one-on-one. This is what the Gentiles worship. This is what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20. Reading on. In, in Egypt, the son of Isis, the Egyptian title for the queen of heaven, was born at this very time, about the time of the winter solstice. So when you're celebrating Christmas and all those events that come along with Christmas, what you're actually celebrating is something known as the winter solstice, which is the worship of the fertility deity. The very name by which Christmas is popularly known amongst ourselves, Yule Day, proves at once in its pagan and Babylonian origin Yule is the Chaldean name for an infant or a little child. And as the 25th of December was called by our pagan Anglo-Saxon ancestors, Yule Day, the child's day, and the night that preceded it, Mother Night. Long before they came into contact with Christianity, that, that significantly Proves its real character. I hope y'all see this, man. I hope y'all see and understand this. Now let's go back to Jeremiah chapter ten, and we're gonna start at verse uh, two. We'll read it again. Now let's start at one. Hear ye the word which the Lord speak unto you, O house of Israel. So he's speaking to the children of Israel who believe monotheism. Not polytheism, the belief in many gods. Hebrew Israelites were not meant to be pagans. I hope y'all seeing this. Thus said the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen or Gentiles. The, the, the words are synonymous, y'all. 
and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them, for the customs of the people are are vain. For one cut at a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe, they deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. So back in the day, before you had the Christmas tree stand, you would have to actually nail the damn tree to the floor after you stood it up right. This is the worship of the Queen of Heaven, of Isis, Astarte. And it's also the worship of Nimrod, too. Verse 5. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak it not. They must needs be bored because they cannot go. The word bored means to move, so you got to move them because they can't go on their own. Be not afraid of them. Now, why would Jeremiah be saying don't be afraid of them? Because who was afraid of them? Who was afraid of them, evergreen tree? The other nations, the heathen. Because remember, he started off said, learn not to wear the heathen. The Gentiles were scared of them. They were thinking that trees can talk. They were thinking that trees are alive. We read it last week, week about Baal and the dragon. How Daniel showed the king that uh, Baal did not eat or drink. Go back and read their story in the Apocrypha, y'all. Baal proving to the king that Baal was just a damn statue. He didn't eat or drink and possess no power. It's the same thing that Jeremiah said. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 5 again. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be bored. Because they cannot go Be not afraid of them For they cannot do evil Neither also is it in them To do good For as much as there is none Like unto thee O Lord Most high and You know what the deity like the most high We know Thou art great And thy name is great in might Verse 7 who would not fear thee, O king of nations? So who's the king of all nations? The most high. He created them. But he still makes a distinction. Because everybody says, oh, we, we all bleed blood. We're all of God's children. No. The whole world is not all God's children. God, God makes a distinction between nations and peoples. I'm going to just keep reading. It says, for to do thee, I'm sorry, for to thee doth it it for to thee doth it appertain for as much as among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms there is none like unto thee. Now, why would he say there's none like unto thee in all the nations and all the kingdoms? Because the other nations worship other gods, y'all. They worship other deities. Verse 8. But they are altogether brutish and foolish. The stock is a doctrine of vanities. Who is he talking about right here? He's talking about the other nations and how foolish they are for worship, for being pagan. Verse 9. Silver spread unto unto the plate is brought from Tarshish and gold from Euphaz, uh, from Euphaz, the work of the workmen 
and of the hands of the founder, blue and purple is their clothing. They are all the work of cunning men, skillful men. Once again, he's talking about the other nations and how they get down. Now, let me jump up to, matter of fact, let me keep reading. But the Lord is the true God. Y'all hear this, right? He is the living God and an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble, and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. Come on, man. People don't read the Bible. Verse 11. Thus shall ye say unto them, the gods. Now, who is, he, who is the them? The nations. He said, thus shall ye say unto them, the gods, little g's, that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom and hath stretched out the heavens by his, by his uh, discretion. When he uttered his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he caused the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain, and bringeth forth the wind out of out of his treasures. So it's letting you know that the Most High does all this stuff. But these, the wind, the the sun, the rain, the other nations worship these things. Verse fourteen: Every man is brutish. In his knowledge Every founder Is confounded by the Graven image For his molten image is Falsehood And there is no breath in them They are Vanity He said that these statues And images you create they're nothing They have no No spirit, no spirit in them We say no breath no spirit in them He said they're nothing and the work of errors in the time of their visitation, they shall perish. Now listen to this, verse 16. The portion of Jacob is not like them. Jacob is the Israelites because the name was changed to Israel. He said that Jacob's portion, the Israelites' portion, is not like the nation's portion. For he is the former of all things And Israel Is the rod of his inheritance The Lord of hosts Is his name So who inherited the most high The Israelites did y'all Not the other nations The Israelites did Now I'm going to read verse 25 Watch this Pour out thy fury upon the heathen Now this is Jeremiah Sending up a prayer to the most high God he says, pour out thy fury upon the heathen or the Gentiles. Pour out your fury on them. So you got to ask yourself this. If Jeremiah in the Old Testament is praying to the Most High for him to pour out his fury on the Gentiles, then how the hell by the time you make it to the New Testament, the Gentiles are getting salvation?
nobody got answers for that. It's all crickets. Verse 25 again. Pour out thy fury upon the heathen that know thee not. I'm going to read it again. Pour out thy fury upon the heathen or Gentiles that know thee not. The other nations don't know the most high, y'all. It goes what I've been saying. They were never formally introduced to him. So how could he be that God? How can the Gentiles get salvation from a God that ain't even theirs? It don't make sense. That's not consistent with the narrative of the Bible. So you got to scratch your head and say, man, see, it's got to be something else going on in the New Testament. I'm reading this wrong. My understanding is wrong. Because it's been profusely explained all throughout the Old Testament how God feels about the other nations and that they're pagans and they're unfamiliar with him. Come on, y'all. Use some deductive reasoning. Verse 25 again. Pour out thy fury upon the heathen that know thee not, and upon the families that call not on thy name, for they have eaten up Jacob. How they eaten us up? Because they took us into captivity. We don't get into that. And devoured him and consumed him and have made his habitation desolate. This is what the nations have consistently did to God's people. Now, let's go to Leviticus chapter 18. Man, I ain't get far at all in this, but it's all good. The water for your question, too, because if you had that question, I know other people had it, too. So Leviticus chapter 18 and verse uh, 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord. Your God. After the doing of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwell, shall ye not do. So he's telling the Israelites, don't do what the Egyptians were doing. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whether I bring you, shall ye not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances, meaning their order. This word ordinances means means order. And these people were disordered. And he's talking about the Egyptians and the Canaanites, who were sons of Ham which are the current modern-day Africans. Verse 4. Ye shall do my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. That's why he keeps saying, I'm the Lord your God. You know, it's just like a father when his kids get in trouble and you go snatch up the kid that's yours. Now, you my kid. You my son. You my daughter. I don't, give a, I don't care what the other kids is doing. I care about what you're doing because I'm your father. This is what the Most High is saying to us. That's why you read this countless times in the Bible. The Lord, your God. The Lord, your God. Your Father. Come on, man. We cannot just neglect and read completely over phrases like that. That are so simple, yet the world complicates it. 
kid could understand this, man. Read it on. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do them, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. So who is doing this? And this is talking about incest here, y'all. When it says to approach people that's kin to you to uncover their nakedness, if you come into somebody that's close to you to, and taking their clothes off, man, you're having sex with them. This is intercourse, wrongful intercourse. This is also known as fornication. But he said that the Africans was doing this. He told us not to do it. And this is clear in their culture because we just read about them in the two Babylons. Because the, the myth, mythological story on Semiramis and her son was that she actually had intercourse with him. Hey, I'm not making this stuff up. Y'all go back and read it. This is what they did. This is how they got down. But the Most High told us not to do this stuff. This was wicked. This was off. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. And I hear people talking. I just seen some people hang up. They put all he in that Old Testament. Oh, don't worry. We're going to the New Testament. And guess what? I'm going to smash y'all when we get to the New Testament too. Hell, I'm going to smash y'all even more in the New Testament. I'm, I'm purposely staying in the Old Testament. I'm going to walk, walk through the whole Bible with this. One. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And we'll start at verse 7. Remember the days of old history. So you cannot read the Bible without getting the historical context of the Bible. Verse 7 again, Deuteronomy 32, 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will shew thee. Tell, tell, I'm sorry. Ask thy father, and he, sh- and, and he will shew thee. Thy elders, and they will tell thee. And Mashaba's doing a glad class he put together. Uh, hindsight is 2020. Talking about the historical context of the Bible. And how you have to read it as the history book that it is Rather than reading it as a religious book Check that out, y'all Michelle, I don't know if you're done with the class I, I know you, y'all know you ain't done I know you got a part two coming But y'all check that out uh, here on Blog Talk, Bible Talk Alright, verse 8 When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance Now what's a nation's inheritance? And this particular uh, precept is going to talk about the land. But we already established that every nation got its inheritance by way of its deity. Every nation got their gods. But who, what one nation got the only God? What one nation got monotheism? The Israelites, y'all. Verse 8. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam. He set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. And what this is basically saying that the Most High 
establishes Israel's land. That's when he talked about the bounds before any other nation got their land. Now, remember, he said when he separated the sons of Adam. But according to religion, we're supposed to be all together. We are the world. We are the children. Man, I'm telling you, they did a good job, man. He got the whole world in his hand. He got the whole world in his hand. What's that? Uh, white, 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 red, black, white, all pressure presses in his sight. However it go, <laughs> all the pressures in his sight. Nonsense. The Most High never intended everybody to be the same because everybody's not the same. Because the children of Israel have a God. The other nations, they have gods. They're pagans. There is a difference in people. Y'all better go back. Genesis chapter 11. What the Most High do when all the people were one? He divided them. He told them, no, nah, may y'all get away from here. I don't want y'all to be all together. Go back and read it. People really don't read the Bible. They don't understand. You're reading it like a novel. Verse 8, when the Most High divided to the nations, their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, go back. Like I said, Genesis, start at Genesis, the 10th chapter, man. And just read up. He divided the sons of Adam, those sons being who? Those sons being Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. After the flood, the sons of Adam was divided. We're going to find out they was divided even before then. But I just pulled that as a reference so y'all can go back. And y'all can catch up on y'all reading and understand that the Most High never wanted all people to be gathered together, that he does make a difference in nations. Anyway, reading on. <clears throat> when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. I hope y'all see this. I hope y'all see this. All right, let's get second edges now, chapter six. Man, what I do more? Here we go. Second edges, chapter six, and let's start at verse fifty-six. Wait, 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 wait a minute, sir. I'm sorry. It's not uh, six. It's chapter. Yeah, it is six. I'm tripping. Second Ezra chapter six and verse 56. I'm sorry. You're going to start at 53. Upon the sixth day, thou gavest commandment unto the earth that before thee it should bring forth beasts Adam and creeping things. And after these, Adam also, whom thou made it Lord of all thy creatures, of him we all. So it's talking about the first man, Adam, right? And the people also, whom thou hast chosen. So it's letting you know, yeah, all people come from Adam, man, by way of who? 
Noah and his three sons. But it's letting you also know that God had a chosen people. Even back then, he still does now. Verse 55. All this was all this have I spoken before thee, O Lord, because thou made the world for our sakes. Now this is Ezra. He was he was an Israelite. So when he said the world was made for our sakes, he's saying that the whole world was created for the Israelites. God's chosen people. Let this sink in, man. People read completely over this. Oh, they don't even have the Apocrypha, and they don't uh, want to even uh, read it because they think it's some strange book that ain't got nothing to do with the Bible. When it's right here, going right hand in hand, what we what we read, what we read in Genesis, verse fifty-six. Listen to this. As for the other people, the other nations, which are also, I'm sorry, which also come about them. Thou hast said that they are nothing. Hey, let me read this part again, man. Second Ezra, chapter 6, verse 56. As for the other people, which also come of Adam, the Gentiles, thou hast said that they are nothing. But, be like unto spittle. This is the most high God of the Bible. He called the Gentiles, the heathen, the other nations, spit, and has likened, likened the abundance of them unto a drop that falleth from a vessel. He says that they're like a drop of water. That fell out of a bucket of water, meaning that they're insignificant. Now he said that thou hast said this. So this has been spoken somewhere before. So let's find out where it has been spoken somewhere before. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. And I love the Bible because it just keeps reiterating itself. It be bringing out different points, but it's just it's the same narrative over and over again. Isaiah chapter forty verse one. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, said your God. So who who is the people of God? The Israelites. Verse two. Speak ye comfort. Speak ye comfort. Speak ye. Comfortably to Jerusalem And cry unto her That her warfare is accomplished That her iniquity is pardoned For she had received of the Lord's hand Double for all her sins So it's talking to the Israelites Now I want to jump down to verse 13 Who had directed The spirit of the Lord So who tells the Most High What to do Who gives the Most High direction It says or being his counselor and taught him who who counsels the Most High and tells him what to do. Like, hey, you know, you should love all nations. Hey, you got the whole world in your hand. Red, black, or white. Red, red, white. What say? Red, red, yellow, black, or white. All the precious in his sight. 
Who gave the most high that counsel? It's a question. Verse 14. Whom took he counsel? And who instructed him? And taught him in the path of judgment? And taught him knowledge? And shewed him the way of understanding? Rhetorical question. Nobody. Nobody tells the most high what to do. That's why he's the most high. You know, like they, they tell you in church, Oh, don't no the, the the Lord works in mysterious ways. Nobody knows the mind of, of the most high. <laughs> they right, because they don't. Because if they knew the mind of the most high, they would know this. Verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. And are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the owls as a very little thing. Owls means islands. But we read in Second Ezra chapter six when he said that he that the Most High said that the nations were nothing. Where did he get that from? He got it from what we're reading right here. The nations are nothing. They're as a drop in the bucket. Insignificant. The dust on the balance. Insignificant The islands Very little thing He don't care about them Verse 16 And Lebanon Is not sufficient to burn Nor the beast thereof Sufficient for a burnt offering Meaning if these other nations Would send up burnt offerings To the Most High It wouldn't be sufficient for them And the reason being Because They ain't his people They serve other deities Verse 17 All nations I didn't say some nations. It says all nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. What's that old school song? Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. The nations are officially nothing to the most high. The Gentiles are officially nothing to him. He doesn't care about them. Verse 18. To whom then will ye liken God? Or what likeness will ye compare unto him? Who can you compare the most high to? Nothing. He's uncomparable. He's the most high, y'all. Now let's go back to Second Ezra. Chapter 6 and verse 56 It says As for the other people Which also come about them Thou hast said That they are nothing We just read this in Isaiah chapter 40 Thou hast said That they are nothing But be like unto spittle And hast likened the abundance Of them unto a drop That followed from a vessel And now O Lord Behold these heathen, or Gentiles, which have ever been reputed as nothing, have begun to be lords over us and to devour us. So he said, man, these heathens who have been beneath us, now all of a sudden they're over us to devour us. But we, thy people, Israel, whom thou hast called thy firstborn, thy only begotten, 
and thy fervent loving are given into their hands. And, and we're going to get into it. When he's talking about uh, we were given into the other nation's hands, the Gentiles' hands, because we went into captivity of those Gentiles. Read it on. If the world now be made for our sake, because remember, we already read how the Most High made the world for Israel. He says, the world now be made for our sake. Why do we not possess an inheritance with the world? How long shall this endure? What he's basically saying, Second Ezra, because remember, Second Ezra was during the time, or Ezra, the man Ezra, was during the time of the Babylonian captivity, man, where Israel went into captivity under the nation of Babylonians, the Africans, y'all. All right, so let, let me prove this. So we're going to go to Wikipedia, y'all. And we're going to start right here. And we're going to go to the Jerusalem timeline or the timeline of Jerusalem. Now, listen to this. This is a timeline of major events in history. I'm sorry. This is a timeline of major events in the history of Jerusalem, a city that had been fought over 10 times in history. So when it's talking about Jerusalem, y'all, it's talking about the land of Israel. But it says that our land, the Israelites' land, has been fought over 16 times in history. During this long history, Jerusalem has been destroyed twice, besieged 23 times, attacked 52 times, and captured and recaptured 44 times. So when it said that Jerusalem had been destroyed twice, so y'all can go back and read in the Bible, man. The first kingdom, or the first temple that Solomon built was destroyed. But that was during the destruction of Jerusalem under the Babylonians, and we're going to get into it. But then it said it had been destroyed twice. So the second time it was destroyed was under the Grecians, under the Greeks, because the Persian Medes, they didn't destroy the temple. They helped rebuild it. That was the first temple. The second temple was during the time of the uh, Persian Meat Empire, which the brother uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and countless others went back to help rebuild the temple, but only for the temple to be destroyed in 333 B.C. when Antiochus Epiphanes came into power. And that's in the Apocrypha. He destroyed the temple and, and polluted it. Now, let me go. Let me. I'm gonna stay on this timeline, y'all. Let's go into the Bible. So the events that we're about to read about took place around 720 BC. So we're gonna go to Second Kings chapter 17. And I've read this chapter and what I just read on Wikipedia so many times, man. But for edification purposes. Do I read it over and over? That's all the Bible is, man. It just keeps keep talking about the same stuff over and over, man. And what what just amazes me about it, man, is how damn heathenist 
heathenistic that we are, man. We keep doing the same thing. Second Kings chapter 17. Let's start at verse 1. Once again, y'all, this history that I'm reading uh, took place around um, 720 B.C. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hosea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel that were before him. Against him came up Shalmaneser, king of Assyria. So this is an Assyrian king, a Gentile king from the nation of the Assyrians. And Hosea became his servant and gave him presents. And the king of Assyria found uh, found conspiracy in Hosea, for he had sent messages to So, king of Egypt, and brought no present. To the king of Assyria So what's going on here was um, Ahaz I'm sorry not Ahaz uh, Hosea He had an alliance with the king of Egypt And he would pay him tribute Instead of the king of Assyria And the king of Assyria found out about it And made him mad It says as he had done year by year Therefore the king of Assyria Shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land and went up to and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. Now Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom. The kingdom split, y'all, around 930 BC. So you have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Right now we're talking about the northern kingdom. Verse six. Shh, you too loud. What's going on? Okay, kill it already and move on with life, please. Reply. Where are you at? I'm sorry, y'all. Hold on for a second. Can you kill this damn book? My goodness. Verse 6. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria. Sorry, y'all. Read it again. In the ninth year, Hosea, the king of Assyria, took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Hala and in Habor by the river of Gozan and in the city of the Medes. So this the king of Assyria. Now this would be uh, under uh, what is his name? Shiglai uh, Pilasar, I believe his name was. This would be under his lineage. Um, it was Shalmaneser, Shiglai Pilasar, um, Sennacherib. That whole dynasty uh, took uh, part in carrying us away. Out of the northern kingdom, y'all. And these are kings, lineage of the same nation, the Assyrians, the Gentiles. It says, and placed them in Hala and in Habor by the river of Gozan and in the city of the Medes. 
For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods. So this is why this happened to the northern kingdom, man, idolatry. Because remember, we read all them scriptures how the Most High told us not to be like the heathen, not to be like the Gentiles. And what specifically was he saying not to do? To be idolaters, to be pagans. Hope y'all seeing this. But these Gentiles took us into captivity because of our idolatry. And that was the judgment of the Most High. All right, read on. Verse 8, it says, And walked in the statutes of the heathen. So we walked in the laws of the heathen, serving their deities, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. And they built them high places in all their cities, from the tower of the watchmen to the fence cities. And they set them up images and groves and high hills and under every green tree. And what did the Most High tell us not to do? Not to make those graven images and not to worship them. Not to be pagan. Here we are doing it. And this is the punishment for it. We got removed from our land. This is a common theme, y'all, that you're going to hear all throughout the Bible. The Gentiles worshipped deities. They were pagan. And we kept following them. So the Most High kept putting us under them. Verse 11. And there they burnt incense in all the high places, as did the heathen, whom the Lord carried away before them. So what did the heathen do? They burnt incense. They're pagans, once again, and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. Verse 12. For they serve idols, whereof the Lord has said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah, now, when he says Israel and Judah, he's talking about northern kingdom and southern kingdom. So the northern kingdom was not the only Israelites that was into uh, paganism, idolatry. The southern kingdom was going into And against Jerusalem, by all the prophets, and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways. And what evil ways? Being like the nations, because the nations were what? Evil, because they served other deities. And keep my commandments, statutes. According to all the law which I command you, commanded your fathers, and which I sent to you by my servants the prophets, notwithstanding that they would not hear, but hardened their necks like the necks of their fathers, that did not believe in the Lord their God, and they rejected his statutes and his and his covenant that he made with their fathers, and his testimonies which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen or Gentiles that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves, Baal, and made a grove. And worship all the hosts of heaven and serve Baal. But didn't the Most High say he gave the hosts of heaven to the Gentiles for them to worship? 
Make sure y'all with me. Verse 18. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. So the Most High had to remove the northern kingdom of Israel, and he left there the southern kingdom. Now, let's go back to Wikipedia real quick, and we're going to go down to where it says 733 B.C. So 733, let me see, did I pass it? Here we go. Nero-Assyrian and Neo-Babylonian period. 733 BCE, according to the Bible, Jerusalem became a vassal of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. After Ahaz of Judah appeals to Tiglar-Pilasar III, of the Neo-Assyrian Empire to protect the city from Bikah of Israel and Rizin of Iran. So during the Civil War, Tiglar-Pilasar, who I told you all about, came in and basically occupied the Northern Kingdom. Tiglar-Pilasar III subsequently conquers most of the Levant. When it talks about the Levant, it's talking about the land of Israel. It says that at around this time, the siege of Gerzi, 20 miles west of Jerusalem, is recorded on a stone relief at the Assyrian royal palace in Nuhud. So they have this for their history, too. And the Levant, like I said, is the land of Israel and uh, the surrounding area. All right, so reading down, 712 BCE. Salomon Tunnel is built in order to keep water from the Giha Spring inside the city. According to the Bible, the tunnel was built by King Hezekiah, you will find it in the scriptures, in preparation for a siege by the Assyrians. Because what the Assyrians did was they conquered the northern kingdom of Israel, and then they moved in the southern kingdom and basically was trying to conquer it also. The only reason the southern kingdom was not conquered under uh, the Assyrians is because they had stopped a lot of the idolatry. Hezekiah had stopped a lot of that. It says, along with an expansion of Jerusalem fortifications across the uh, Tyro-Phenon Valley to enclose the hill today known as Mount Sion. All right, 712 BCE, Assyrian siege of Jerusalem. See, I told you, Jerusalem pays further tribute to the Nero-Assyrian Empire after the Nero-Assyrian king, uh, Sennacherib, led siege to the city. And Sennacherib was the lineage of Tiglath-Pilasar. And we're reading about how the uh, southern kingdom was occupied and had to pay tribute to the Assyrians. Occupied, but they were not thrown out Not yet 6-7 BCE, Manasseh The ruler of Jerusalem Is brought in chains To the Assyrian king Presumptually Presumptually For suspected disloyalty Alright, now let's go back To 
2 Kings chapter 17. We're going to pick up in verse 19 now. It says, uh, also, Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord, their God, but walked in the statues of Israel, which they made. And this is what it talks about, how Jerusalem was occupied by Sennacherib because of this, what we read in verse 19. So I hope y'all are seeing that these precepts cover years and years and years of history, y'all. All right, verse 20. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. This is going back to the northern kingdom. For he rent Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. And Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them sin a great sin. Now, we covered Jeroboam a little bit about uh, Jeroboam in last week's class. We found out that he made those calves for Israel to worship in the northern kingdom. Instead of making a trip down to the southern kingdom, to the temple, to worship there for the high holy days. So this is what it's talking about here. And all the groves and stuff that he put up also. Verse 22. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did, they departed not from them. Until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants, the prophets. So the Most High took Israel out of the land. It says, so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. So because of our idolatry, the northern kingdom was carried completely out of the land, verse 24, and the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha and from Ava and from Hamath and from Sepervarium and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. So this king of Assyria brought in other nations, moved us out of the land. Now, this was the policy of the Assyrians. They did this to every nation they conquered. It says, and they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. So all the Israelites gone. All the other nations, they're in Israel's land. Verse 25. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there, that they feared not the Lord, therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. So what the Most High did was he sent lions into the land of the northern kingdom to kill these uh, nationalists, these foreign nationalists that was there. And because they didn't know how to serve him, because they was in our land serving their other deities. On prove it, verse 26. Wherefore they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of the of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. See, they didn't know the most high, they weren't familiar with him. And these are the Gentiles, the other nations. Therefore he hath sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them, because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests whom he brought from thence. So he said, Go get one of those Israelite priests and let them teach them the manner of the God of the land. Verse 28. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. So they went and got one of the priests 
and the priest schooled them on how to fear the Most High, how to worship him, right? Verse 29. Howbeit every nation made gods of their own and put them in the house of the high places which the Samaritans had made, every nation in their cities wherein they dwelt. So what happened was, yeah, you had this priest come down and show them how to serve the Most High, but they still were worshiping their own gods. They still were pagans. They still was doing them. Everybody's seeing this, man. Why was they doing this? Because this this was these were their deities who the Most High gave them. They were unfamiliar with the Most High, so they were still pagans. But we're going to find out that they were incorporating worshiping the Most High in their paganism, no different than religion today, y'all. So I think this is a good place to stop, man. I hope everybody uh, got edification out of this class. The water Mashaba for hooking up the broadcast. Uh, the water for everybody listening in, man. And, and thank everybody, man. The water uh, to y'all, man, for y'all support and uh, y'all ears, man. And um, we gonna round out to this right here. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.